Howdy. This is the Views from the Shop podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Friday, July 21st, 2023, I wish you the most happy of Take a Monkey to Lunch days. Today's show, as always, brought to you and presented by Big Banter Sports. You can find Big Banter Sports wherever you consume sports coverage. That means Twitter, Instagram, all over podcast, TikTok, Facebook, probably threads, maybe even MySpace. Why would you want to find them, by the way? Well, it's because they are probably your number one platform for taking in all things Big Ten sports coming up This football season, they'll have a team-specific podcast, including one for the Ohio State Buckeyes. That will be the OHIO podcast. And, of course, we are the exclusive basketball podcast for Ohio State basketball, also partnered with Big Banter Sports. So give them a follow on all the socials if you don't mind. Now, a couple of housekeeping tasks that I have to ask of you today before we get into the show. Number one, you hear it all the time. If you found us on Twitter, go find us on Instagram, at the shop pod. We're releasing content, not on the daily, but at least on the weekly, multiple times a week. Just posted a reel last night with Devin Royal featured. Make sure you check that out. Give us a follow. Also, We are going to be coming out with a YouTube channel here in the short term as well. It's up, it's active, it's public. You can't find it yet, just an FYI, because YouTube is the way that that it is, and I can't change that, so it's fine. If I can't control it, I'm not going to get anxious about it or stress about it, and neither should you. That's true for all aspects of life, but... If you search Views from the Shop podcast, you're not going to find it because we haven't posted any, anything yet and we're brand new. That's just how YouTube rankings work. It's fine. But be on the lookout for videos coming from YouTube. We're going to give you more and more content. So follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at the Shop Pod. Follow us on Instagram, at the Shop Pod. Find us on YouTube if it's possible. And if you don't mind, if you haven't already, a lot of people do. You don't want to be left out. Go ahead, subscribe, follow, wherever you get your podcasts. It's I'm not taking your email. I'm not taking any info. You're not getting signed up for anything. You're not going to get a bunch of notifications. It's nothing like that. It's not even possible. Just follow the show. That's it. it means a lot. Helps us out a lot. Helps us do more things, bigger and better things. So please do that. And if you're feeling generous, a five-star review wouldn't hurt. Just saying. Putting that out there. By the way, if you find us on Instagram and I recognize your name because you're that much of an Ohio State basketball sicko, you will get a follow back. Some have already been followed back. If you haven't yet, I suggest you get there. So on last week's show, I I was proud of it. I'll, I'll, I'll go out and I'll say that I was proud of the show. So we covered five areas of maybe weakness or a better way to put it. Areas of opportunity for Ohio State basketball heading into the 2023 season. If you missed it, I'm not saying you stop listening to this show and go back. They're not chronological. You can listen to this one first. But I would suggest you go back and listen to the last one. 
highly analytical, pretty solid show, insightful, some are saying, and even fewer are saying that the host of that show, me, was wit-filled or witty. Just saying. Might want to go back and give it a listen. It was one of the better shows we've had in a while. Now, I plan to keep that same momentum on this show. We'll see what happens. But on today's show, if you haven't been able to tell by the title, we're going to talk about five areas Ohio State can capitalize on heading into 2023. Where were they good last season and how can they continue that heading into this season? First sip of water incoming and then we'll have some fun. Here's the thing. I haven't gotten a lot of questions about my back and hip injury from more than two weeks ago at this point, which is fine. If you don't care, you don't care. That's fine. But I'll keep talking about it anyway. It's not that I want the pity. I, 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 I desire the pity. I, I need, I need the pity, but it's fine. So I hurt myself deadlifting over two weeks ago. Humble flex that I go to the gym, right? I am now, after going to the chiropractor several times, I said, this isn't working. I need more. I'm on steroids, I've got muscle relaxers, and today is the first full day in which I have been on this medication. And let me just share something with you, okay? Being on muscle relaxers and steroids, number one, makes you very hungry, apparently. Number two, gives you an extremely dry mouth, so I'm going to be taking plenty of sips of water, even though I've been drinking water already since I woke up this morning. And third, speaking of waking up this morning, I was up at 5.15. Again, humble flex, early riser, but not by my doing. It wasn't my choice. I'm a guy who likes to go to bed about 11 o'clock, wake up 6.30. That's how my body works. It's my circadian rhythm. If you don't know about circadian rhythms, ask me sometime. Would love to share it. Was up about an hour and a half earlier than I wanted to wake up simply because for whatever reason, whatever I'm on doesn't help me sleep. Woke up feeling energized, though still tired and somewhat stressed, even though I don't really have anything to be stressed about right now. We are six and a half minutes into the show and we have not said really one thing about Ohio State basketball. So we should probably get there before the, the, the less likely to continue to listen before they leave altogether. All right, so let's get into this, shall we? Five areas to capitalize on in 2023 for Ohio State basketball. Number one for Ohio State. By the way, all these stats I got, they're not a sponsor of the show. shouldn't say all the stats, but a lot of the stats, a lot of the content was built from College Basketball Analytics, cbbanalytics.com. Go there. Be the smartest college basketball fan in the room, by the way, just so you know. Anyways, Ohio State, number one area that they can capitalize on in 2023, effective field goal percentage. That is, if you're not aware, field goal percentage taking into account the additional point added from three-pointers. Buckeyes close the year on fire in this regard. And by on fire, I mean not on the sun, but directly outside of the sun's orbit, like Way past Earth. They are in the solar system at this point. 99th percentile in the final five games of the season, which makes sense because obviously they were very solid to close the year, made a great run in the Big Ten tournament. But their effective field goal percentage in the final five games of the season was 55.4%. That's 99th percentile. 
I would say they were inside the sun if they were 100th percentile, but they were not. Therefore, they were just outside of it. Still in orbit, however that may work. Now, season long, they were 75th percentile in effective field goal percentage. Now, shocked as you may be, you, you may have no idea who had the highest effective field goal percentage on the team. You may know. I'll give you a second to think. Who was it? Bryce Sensabaugh, Sean McNeil, maybe even Felix Akpara. Hmm. How about Gene Brown? Eugene Brown had the best effective field goal percentage on the team last season. It was a tiny sample size, of course, but he did get enough minutes. He got enough shots up to actually qualify for this. For the Buckeyes last season. And he was the best. Well, Eugene Brown is gone. As we know, he's transferred away from the Ohio State University. However, second highest for Ohio State was Felix Akpara. That air ball, by the way, against Purdue to start off that game. For some reason, that shot is just ingrained in my head. Of just how, why, for what reason, what was the reason that to start a game against the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, it's a Big Ten tournament semifinal game. Felix Akpara is throwing up a three 12 seconds in the game and he airballs it. I'm sorry. I love Felix Akpara. Just ingrained in my brain. It's it's on you, Felix, to get that out of my brain. Have a great season this year, please. He had a great season his freshman year, so you would expect it. Anyways, that airball, it doesn't count for any more. It doesn't hurt his his percentage just because of his airball. It was just one shot. But he was 59.1% effective field goal percentage last season. Second best on the team. Bruce Thornton as well was just very good at 52.5%. As a whole, the team was way above average. And I mean way above average. This is how the team was 99th percentile to close the year, 75th percentile season long, because pretty much everyone was very, very good. Field goal percentage combining the additional point from shots behind the arc. They were very solid. There were two players here, two culprits, who were not the best. That's Ice Likely and Justice Suing. Is that a shock to you? Probably not. The good thing is that these two players are exiting, of course, this season heading into 2023, Ice Likely and Justice Suing both gone. Justice Suing going to give his best stab at playing in the NBA this upcoming season. So effective field goal percentage is something that they can build off of. A lot of these stats coming up are going to be offensive, not offensive, offensive. Maybe they'll be offensive to you as well. I can't control how you take my words. But that was a spot that Ohio State can build off of. They were very strong last season, and they've got a lot of returning production in that area. Is there anything more important than taking care of the basketball when you're playing basketball on the hardwood? Another way to put that, squeezing the orange. One of my favorite phrases, not just in basketball, not just in sports, but maybe in all of life, squeezing the orange. It's creative. It makes sense. It's 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 a visual image for you to imagine. I like it. And guess what? Ohio State was very, very good at squeezing the orange last season. Only 14.1% of Ohio State offensive possessions ended with turnovers last season. That is in the 89th percentile. So you're not just talking good. You're not talking very good. 
you are probably elite at that point. You are in the top 10%, technically 11, top 11% of teams in all of Division I college basketball, which is over 300 teams. You're in the top 30 in terms of squeezing the orange. Buckeyes took care of the ball really well, and they're actually losing their best player in this category. And you you may be thinking to yourself, man, Ohio State's losing their best player at taking care of the basketball. Who in the world was that? Probably not Justice Suing. Maybe Ice Likely. I have no idea who this player could be. Well, it's Sean McNeil. Probably not a name that comes to mind when talking about taking care of the ball. But it makes sense because he didn't really handle the ball all that much. He was a guy who's coming off of screens, screens going up, shooting the ball from deep, couple of dribble, pull-up shot. He wasn't really much of a ball handler per se, so it makes sense. So Ohio State losing their best player in that category, but not getting really a lot of true opportunities to lose the basketball. So when that's the case, you're not really all that concerned that you're losing your best player in that regard because just doesn't feel like he handled the ball all that much. Now, Felix Akpara, Bruce Thornton, they led all newcomers last year in low turnover rate. And they also lose their two worst at taking care of the ball. That was Bryce Senzabont and Justice Suing. Both of those guys last season were below average. This is another area where Ohio State can capitalize in which they're not really losing a lot. You expect Bruce Thornton to be better. Dale Bonner doesn't really have issues with turnovers. Evan Mahaffey, Jamison Battle are guys who are used to handling the basketball as well. Maybe not necessarily facilitating an offense, but can still handle the ball, pass the ball, not give the ball away. And that's what you hope from all of these newcomers stepping in. So the Buckeyes were really strong in this area in terms of squeezing the orange, taking care of the basketball. They're losing, just like in the first point, they're losing their worst two players among qualifiers for turnover rate, losing their their worst two and effective field goal percentage. So you expect this to go up, even though as a whole, Ohio State is losing a fair amount of production and playing time, point scoring and all that stuff. The good thing is that Chris Holtman's offenses typically are good. They're typically very good. So whoever steps into play for Ohio State, whether it be a newcomer who is a freshman or a newcomer who is a transfer, you expect good things. I'm dying right now. And I I can't, it's not like I can stop for like 10 seconds here because I'm going to lose you. You're going to leave and say, what the heck is he doing? But I got to sip again. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm taking, I'm taking large gulps right now. I was, I was struggling to get through that, that last point there, but we got there. I'm here for you. I do the best I can. Ohio State was one of the top offensive teams in just about any metric last season in the Big Ten. That's pretty common for Chris Holtman-led teams. So this next point for Ohio State is simply scoring the ball. Could we throw effective field goal percentage that point into this? Sure, maybe we could, but I won't. I I, I shan't. I mean, I'm going to take as, as many different metrics as I can and lump this all into scoring. Last season, Ohio State scored 113.3. 
points per 100 possessions. That's in the 86th percentile. So if you're giving every single offense in America, in college basketball, 100 possessions, there are only a few teams in all of college basketball who would score more in 100 possessions than Ohio State. So we already talked about the high effective field goal percentage, but there's way more than just this, right? You've got the points for 100 possessions. They shot more than nearly anyone last season, and yet that still led to a 46.2% field goal percentage, which is 83rd percentile in the nation. And we can go deeper on this too. So six players were in the 70th, 70th percentile or higher in three-point shooting last season. That includes Bruce Thornton, who was 75th percentile, and Roddy Gale, who was 90 freaking 4th percentile both of those guys of course returning the rest of those players in the the six who are 70th percentile or better all exit so this is an area for ohio state where they were really good and you hope that the newcomers can step in and help out with the three-point shooting by the way do you really believe that any newcomer can't slot into some of these roles needed do you believe that Tayson chapman can't be a top 75 percentile player from behind the line. Do you believe that about Dale Bonner if he gets enough shots up? Now, you're not going to ask that from Evan Mahaffey. Jamison Battle probably is not going get to get you there. But even Devin Royal can potentially be a guy. Scotty Middleton can be a guy who can knock down some threes coming into this season. And oh, by the way, just so we're on this topic of scoring, right? I found another stat here. Did you know that Bryce Senzenbaugh, obviously exiting, but Bryce Senzenbaugh scored 41 points per 40 minutes last season? That is the most in the nation. So, obviously, Bryce Senzenbaugh goes late in the first round to the Utah Jazz. Congrats to him. Congrats to his family and all those close to him. Offense was never a question for Bryce Senzenbaugh. Very efficient scorer. Ohio State will need to fill a hole there this upcoming season. Now, we'll continue. Total shooting percentage. That is your shooting efficiency that includes free throws, three-pointers, two-pointers. Every single player on the roster, except for two, were 60th percentile, which I would call above average, or better. Do you know which two players were not 60th percentile or better? I hate to beat the dead horse here, but that's just a suing and Isaac Likely. I love suing. I love Likely. Love what they did for the program, suing obviously in all the years he was in Columbus, likely choosing to finish off his collegiate basketball career at Ohio State. Nothing against them. This is just, the numbers don't lie, the stats don't lie, and this is just a place where they weren't as good as others on the team. So everyone was 60th percentile or better, other than suing and likely both of those players, of course, and will not be with the team this upcoming season. And then you've got Bruce Thornton, Zed Key, Felix Akpara, all 70th percentile or better. By the way, all of this scoring with Ohio State, and I'm flipping, you hear this? You hear the paper in the background? I'm a physical piece of paper kind of guy now. I've had a printer for a year and a half or so, or a year. We went through this last episode. It's not been a full year and a half yet, I don't think, but it's about time I use it. Big fan of the paper. So Ohio State, as I shake my paper in the background, Ohio State, not only one of the best offensive teams in the nation in just about any category you find, this is all with a slower 
pace of play. They were right in the middle of pace of play in the Big Ten, which means right in the middle of pace of play, not only in the Big Ten, but also in all of college basketball, and actually a little bit below middling there. I mentioned in the last show, this is something that you don't want to miss, mentioned in the last show that Ohio State was so good at shooting threes last year, but they did not shoot enough. That was an issue all year. Now, if they increase the pace, do they get more three-ups? If they increase the pace, do they get more shots up? They already got a lot of shots up last year because they were a good offensive rebounding team. This is also foreshadowing for those scoring at home. They were a good offensive rebounding team. That's foreshadowing. Stick around. So they got a lot of shots up. But if they up the pace of play, maybe that's not Chris Holtman's style. Maybe that's not how they want to play. And that's fine. But if they do, do they score even more points? Or do you lose your legs? You get more tired. Your top guys are, are, are sprinting more. They're taking more steps with every single play running up and down the floor. And they actually end up shooting worse. I don't know. That's not me. That seems more like a Q Banks problem than a me problem. But hey, just an idea. Just a thought. Got a question for you. What did you pack for lunch today? Maybe you haven't even packed your lunch today yet. Maybe it's super early when you're listening to this. Maybe you don't have to pack a lunch today. Whatever. But I will tell you this. Regardless of your answer, Ohio State packed more than you last season this is point number four what a nice segue huh so ohio state swatted 10.2 percent of shots on the defensive end last season that's 74th percentile that's very good that was obviously anchored by felix akpara who is 97th percentile in block shots per 100 possessions at 5.1 Ohio State was very good at packing lunches, at deflecting shots, at sending them into the stands. However, you may want to describe a block shot. The Buckeyes were better at it than many teams in college basketball last season. Of course, that's anchored by Felix Akpara. All in all, why is this important? Well, it's kind of the same thing as forcing live ball turnovers like we spoke about in the last show when you block a shot you're catching the offense off guard the offense quickly has to transition from offense to defense a lot of times their first two three steps are them turning around and going back to the basket whereas your offense sorry your defense that is now turning into offense those first two three steps are forward they're not turning around all their momentum is going to the hoop this is where you're going to get some breakaway points Some fast break points, scoring in transition, another place where you'd like to see Ohio State improve. So block shots are huge. You know what else is huge? Lots of things are huge. Ohio State only had 7.1% of their own shots altered last season. That's 89th percentile. So not only did they block a lot of shots on the defensive end, on the offensive end, rarely were their shots being altered further shall we continue they were on the 98th percentile in hakeem percentage do you know what the hakeem percentage is you probably don't and i'll admit to you i didn't know what it was until mm, last night hakeem percentage is your percentage of possessions with a block or a steal so high state on the offensive end pretty much never 
were their possessions ending with blocks or steals, which is huge because, again, you're limiting or reducing the chance of giving up transition points, which usually leads to high percentage shots with open looks at threes or layups. And, of course, catches your own team off guard. Why does this matter, by the way? Well, number one, when you're blocking shots, you obviously have more opportunity to score. Now, sometimes blocked shots will end up just giving the the offense the ball back because it goes out of bounds. That's fine. Sometimes it'll be deflected, fall right into the offense's hand, and they'll get a quick, easy layup. But regardless... When you're blocking shots, you are automatically giving your team more opportunities to score, and you're also going to have less opportunity to give up points when you're not getting your own shots blocked because your your defense is not turning into offense and running it out in transition. And it's also, in my opinion, got a psychological effect. No one likes getting their lunch packed in this regard. If, you're, if your wife... Or, or your friend packs you a lunch for the day, or your mother or father packs you a lunch for the day, you're thankful. On the basketball court, mm-mm. No one likes their shot getting blocked. No one likes getting the shot altered. It's uncomfortable. It makes you, after a while, if it continues, and you see Felix Akpara in the paint, in the low post, guess what? You don't want to go down there and take a layup, which means you're losing those higher percentage looks And your offense cannot run as smoothly and as fluently. So that's why it's a huge point of emphasis, I think, to continue to build off of blocking a lot of shots with Akpara, obviously with Zedki as well. Maybe Austin Parks can get in on the fun in this upcoming season. And of course, not having your shots blocked as well is huge. Okay. How many times in life would you go back and take a do-over? I'll let you think about that for a second while I sip some water, if that's okay with you. I'm going to assume it it was okay with you. I sipped it, and and here we are. If you could get a do-over in life multiple times, would you do it? I'm sure you would. Well, Ohio State provided plenty of do-overs last season. Foreshadowing. Second chance points were huge for the Buckeyes last season. A couple of stats here that I find to be at least somewhat to moderately nifty. Nifty. Offensive rebounds. First of all, disclaimer, they don't matter if you can't consistently score from them. I don't know what the point is of missing a shot just so you can get the rebound, pass it to a teammate, pass it to another teammate, get up a shot, miss it again, get an offensive rebound, Pass it to your teammate. They get up a shot. Miss it again. And now you're going back playing defense. I don't see the benefit there. For what it's worth. But Ohio State was not only a good offensive rebounding team. They were very, very good at turning those offensive rebounds into points. So they averaged 17.7 second chance points per 100 possessions last season. That's 84th percentile in college basketball. And they're 11.5 points per game when it came to second chance points, was 79th percentile. So however you slice it, Ohio State is above average and rather good at scoring off of second chance points. Also, nearly 16% of their points came off of offensive rebounds. That's 76th percentile. And this wears on the defense, obviously. 
when you're giving up offensive rebounds and then you're giving up second chance points as well, it wears on you physically. You've got to do more moving around. It wears on you emotionally, wears on you mentally. You feel like you, you whatever you do, you can't do anything right. You fist, you force a missed shot and that's it. Now you got to go force another. And it probably even wears on you spiritually as well. I don't know. So you hate giving up offensive rebounds. You hate giving up second chance points. How did this happen for Ohio State last season? Well, 31.5% offensive rebound rate. That's 76th percentile for the the entire college basketball world last season. Zed Key had 7.4 offensive rebounds per 100 possessions. That's 95th percentile in college basketball. If you if you recall Zed Key, and I know that when Zed Key went down, for some reason, some Buckeye fans, maybe even you listening, were happy that he would not be returning to Ohio State for the rest of the season. I don't get that at all. The man gutted out a serious shoulder injury, gave it all he had, and now you're saying, yeah, we're better without him. Wrong. But... Key, very, very good on the offensive glass. Obviously, you remember that. He scored 7.4 second chance points per 100 possessions. That was 97th percentile. You would hope that if he's 95th percentile on offensive rebounding, he would be very much elite in second chance points, and he was. Now, believe it or not, Tanner Holden, Eugene Brown, Isaac Likely, all elite offensive rebounders last season, they're gone. Felix Akpara as well, 5.5 offensive rebounds per 100 possessions. That's 77th percentile, and he turned that into five second chance points per 100 possessions. So Felix Akpara, obviously very solid as well with offensive rebounds, as well as scoring those second chance points. So you lose some players who were solid with offensive rebounding last season, Tanner Holden, Eugene Brown, Isaac Likely, but you would expect that Ohio State, whether it be the system that they're running or whatever else the case may be, they can continue to duplicate, replicate, multiply, add to what they did on the offensive class last season. So those are a few areas for Ohio State that they can capitalize on in 2023. A lot of them offensively focused, taking care of the basketball, shooting, scoring, some of it defensively, but even the defense turns into offense. They're not getting their shots swatted. They're also shotting a lot of swats. Shotting a lot of swats. They're also swatting a lot of shots on the defensive end. It's past 30 minutes, so when I when I mispronounce words, I give myself a pass. Also, I'm thirsty, but I won't take another sip before I close out the show. I appreciate you listening to today's show. The love and support is always cherished by a guy like me. Very fun talking with you guys throughout the week about Ohio State hoops. Excited to be back here next week. Again, appreciate you listening today. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Find us wherever you look for your Ohio State basketball content. We're there. This has been the Views from the Shop podcast. Thanks again for listening. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks!